today on CityCast DC. So we're about a week out from the election, and we take our local responsibility to inform very seriously. So Virginia voters, today is all about you. Public radio reporter Michael Pope is here to tell us all about which races we should be watching in Virginia. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Michael Pope, thank you so much for being here. Tell us about some of the races in Northern Virginia that are fascinating you the most. Well, the most fascinating race that's been getting the most amount of attention is the congressional race for the 7th Congressional District. This is where we have incumbent Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger versus the Republican challenger, Yesley Vega. Now, a couple interesting things you want to know about this race is the 7th Congressional District is not what it used to be, right? So Abigail Spanberger was elected to a congressional district with boundaries that are very different than the ones that are going to be on the ballot in November. And, you know, the old version of the congressional district that she was elected to was much more like a suburban Richmond congressional district. It had a lot of these kind of ex-urban Richmond areas. And that's all gone from the new version of the 7th Congressional District, which is now a Northern Virginia district. So 35% of the voters there are from Prince William County and 20% are from Stafford, 18% from Spotsylvania. And so Spanberger has a challenge before her, which is campaign in all these districts that she did not previously represent. And so she has a couple things working in her favor. Of course, she is the incumbent. That's you always have to give a lot of weight to the incumbents. They usually win. And also in the process of redistricting, this district actually became slightly more Democratic. Nevertheless, Republican Yesley Vega has had a very strong campaign Largely due to the fact that, you know, Yesley Vega is not your father's Republican candidate. You know, for many years, Republicans were a bunch of old white males. And now (laughs) we've got a bunch of Republican candidates. This is the new crop. The new version of the Republican Party is people like the attorney general, who is a Cuban. Uh, We've got an African-American woman who is the lieutenant governor. And now we've got Yesley Vega, who has Salvadoran ancestry running in this congressional seat. So uh, I guess voters, of course, will make the final say on Election Day and before Election Day during election season. Yeah. So you mentioned Prince William County. I know this race is a little bit outside of the bounds of what we usually count as like Northern Virginia, but we know that it's still really important because of the trends that it represents more nationally and what it says about politics in the region. What are they running on in Prince William County? I think a lot of the race will come down to what you think about Biden and the Biden administration. This would be, uh, under normal circumstances, a kind of midterm race like this would be a referendum on the incumbent. Do you like what Biden has done as president? If so, you're with Mm -hmm. Abigail Spanberger. Do you resist what Biden has done as president? If so, you're with Yesley Vega. And I also would say this is the kind of race that you would see as a bellwether for the rest of the country. So, like, we will know probably pretty early in election night how this particular race went. You know, we can sort of map onto that 
the fate of a bunch of other congressional elections that will unfold as election night you know, moves into the later hours. Yeah, that's one of the reasons this race is so fascinating, because we know that it could determine the fate of the House of Representatives. And I guess my question for you would be, if you had a magic ball and you had to guess how these races are going to go, where do you think we'll no, end don't up? Pull. I mean, you have to factor a bunch of stuff in when you think about these sorts of things. The incumbents almost always win, right? I mean, like for if for an incumbent to lose, it would be a big deal. You know, Abigail Spenberger won this seat from a Republican so, I mean, just right off the top, you know, we've we've got the fact that we're actually talking about a congressional district that is a swing district that moves back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats. You also have to look at the dynamics of the redistricting and the fact that the new version of the congressional district is slightly more Democratic. On the other hand, are we in a wave year? You know, are Republicans having a field day on the campaign trail and is their messaging pushing forward to voters. I guess we will find that out when we learn the results on you know, election day, because this is a kind of a tale of two elections. You know, if you're a Democrat, this is an election that's about threats to democracy and supporting the things that Biden has done as, as president. If you are a Republican, this is about rising gas prices and rising prices at the grocery store and the fear of crime. And, you know, there are some overlap there because, you know, Democrats are concerned about gun control. Republicans are concerned about crime. Um, so there is actually kind of an overlap there. But it's interesting to me that the different parties are concerned about the same kind of an issue through a different lens. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't. We are so caught up on polarization and the different sides. It is interesting to think about the places where things overlap, where they're actually kind of saying similar things just from different lenses. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And we will see that actually as we talk about more local elections in terms of you know zoning and land use, the same kind of thing where people are kind of concerned about the same things, but they're looking at it through a different lens. Let's look at another race that we're keeping an eye on, which is the Arlington County board member, Matt DeFerranti, who is seeking a second term in office. Um, the race is really coming down to housing and zoning issues related to what they call, quote, a missing middle issue. I, full disclosure, had never heard of that phrase before. Can you tell us what the missing middle is and why it's so important to this race? Yeah, wow, this has really upended Arlington politics. The missing middle is a proposal that is currently being considered by the Arlington County Board. This is the governing board of Arlington County, the local government. And, you know, what's on the table here, the proposal is something very radical, which is elimination of single family zoning. They want to get rid of single family zoning. This was, you know, used in a very racist context to keep black people from living in certain areas, to keep Jewish people from living in certain areas. This is kind of a movement well beyond Arlington about, you know, what should the future of zoning be? Is zoning a racist tool that we should get rid of? So the folks in Arlington are have a proposal before them to get rid of the concept of single family zoning. So if you think in your mind's eye, think about like a half acre lot where you got a, you know, suburban house on it. That that half acre lot that currently has one household on it could be a duplex, a triplex, a fourplex, a fiveplex, a sixplex, a sevenplex. I'm not making this up or an eightplex. All right. 
So this is where the politics get really interesting when you get to the sevenplex and the eightplex, because the current incumbent, Matt DeFerranti, thinks that the aplex might be going just a little bit too far. But he has an opponent in the race, Adam Theo, that thinks the plan should not be watered down, that aplex is just fine. In fact, that we might even want to be more aggressive with zoning to, to increase density and increase availability of affordable housing. So the incumbent member of the Arlington County Board, Matt DeFerranti, is kind of in the middle here because on one hand, he's got somebody challenging him from the left, essentially saying you're not being aggressive enough in your elimination of single family zoning. You should be for the eight plex. You should be for more aggressive measures. And then on the other side, he's also got conservative opposition, not a Republican, but an independent Audrey Clement, who has run many, many, many times before. And she thinks that the missing middle proposal to eliminate single family zoning in Arlington is a scheme that's been devised to enrich developers, and she would like to vote the bums out. That's what she's been saying on the campaign trail. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the politics of Arlington have really been upended by this missing middle proposal to eliminate single-family housing because this will radically transform what it means to be in Arlington. This will transform what Arlington looks like you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So these are really weighty issues that they're dealing with and divisive inside the Democratic Party. And it's not just Arlington, right? Herndon has a similar issue going on with this missing middle proposal as well. Yeah. So here in Fairfax City and in Herndon, we see these issues of density and affordable housing. You know, like th this is the one carrot that your local government has the incentive is to hand over density. Here, developer, here you can have all the density that you want as long as you deliver affordable housing units. And so, yeah, this is a theme that has really come up. The twist here for Fairfax City that's I think is really interesting is that for it, the entire history of Fairfax City, they have had May elections. So they have these are nonpartisan seats. And so they're actually they've never been elected in November before. But recently, the General Assembly got rid of May elections and said, hey, all you local jurisdictions that hold your elections in May, you can no longer do that anymore. You have to have November elections. So this November election will be the very first ever for Fairfax City. And these are nonpartisan races, but th there's another first for Fairfax City, which is the sample ballot. So the Democrats have a sample ballot for the first time ever in Fairfax City, and they have endorsed like one of these, the candidate for mayor. There is a Democratic endorsement, first time ever in Fairfax City. And so you know, all of these things are just so fascinating in terms of how voters are going to interpret all of these things. So like, yeah, these are tensions that we see across these local elections all over Northern Virginia. And I just got to add that there will be another first for the Fairfax mayoral race, regardless of who wins. It'll either be the first Korean-American mayor or the first ever female mayor. So, yeah, I mean, how, how do you see all of these firsts and changes shaping that race? Yeah, well, I have to keep coming back to the first November election because I used to be a newspaper reporter that covered my local city council race here in Alexandria. And so I remember covering lots of these May elections and they were fascinating. If you separate out all of your local politics from your national politics, you get different, you know, people who are much more engaged in sort of the local issues versus people that show up to the polls because 
they want to make sure the Democrats maintain control of the House of Representatives, right? You get like a different kind of voter showing up that has different interests and different things they're looking at, which, by the way, increases the value of the sample ballot. So there's sort of two things that are aligning here in Fairfax City that have never happened before, the November election and the sample ballot. And so we will see the influence of that when we get the election results. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk school boards. There's some, I guess I'll say, interesting things going on in Broad Run and Leesburg. Specifically, very, very right-wing parents groups are looking to get on those boards. One of the seats is empty because they were recalled by a conservative parents group. How have you seen these races shaping up? And since we know this is a trend more nationally, why do you think Northern Virginia is emerging as the epicenter of this trend of parents groups who are very right wing trying to gain more power on school boards? Yeah, well, Loudoun has been ground zero for this discussion. Keep in mind, Loudoun is the wealthiest county in America. I think that should not be overlooked when you talk about parents having the means to let their voices heard and let everybody know what their opinions are. It helps that these people have some disposable income to throw around. So, yeah, there are two school board seats on the ballot in Loudoun County. These are not, by the way, countywide seats. They're districts. So one thing you have to remember about Loudoun is like a lot of these larger Virginia counties, it's separated into districts. They're actually in Virginia. We call them magisterial districts, (laughs) which is probably overselling it just a little bit. But so Broad Run is a magisterial district. Leesburg is a magisterial district. So these are voters in Broad Run will select a school board candidate and voters in the Leesburg district will select a candidate. Important to point out that Governor Yunkin did not win Loudoun County. Terry McAuliffe won Loudoun County. Loudoun Mm. is a blue county. There is There is one magisterial district in Loudoun that is a very Republican district. The rest of Loudoun is blue. So when you look at these school board races, you've got candidates that have the endorsement of the Democratic Party in a blue-leaning part of Loudoun County. You've also got candidates that are endorsed by the Republican Party. So once again, we return to the power and influence of the sample ballot that will be presented to voters when they show up to vote. Are voters in these parts of Loudoun County going to be more aligned with the Ralph Northam model policies on transgender students, which is to say the transgender students can use the bathroom with the gender that they identify with? Or are they going to be more aligned with the Republican Governor Yunkin guidelines, which are that the student should be forced to use the bathroom with the gender that they were assigned at birth? Um, and so you've got actual Democratic Party endorsements on these school board candidates in Loudoun that may end up being really influential in who wins these seats. Um, so that's what I would look for in Broad Run and Leesburg is do voters there, are they more aligned with the Ralph Northam approach to all these issues involving the school system or are they more in line with the Glenn Youngkin approach? I guess we'll have to look at the results this year to find out where folks are headed on on those issues and more. Yeah, I feel like that is the name of the game for this election to sort of get a sense of where folks are at. Some of these races will say so much about where we are nationally, but also just locally, like how are folks feeling? So I'm, I'm really interested to keep an eye on all of these races. Michael Pope, I cannot wait to have you back once we know more about how these races will shake out. Thank you for doing the work of monitoring them and sharing all your information with us. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 
Before you go, here's some quick news. Fairfax police say there's been a 20% uptick in domestic violence calls so far this year. The new stats also show that nearly half of the homicides in the county have been related to violence between family members. Also, a reminder that Metro starts fair enforcement today. That means if you're caught jumping fare gates improperly using emergency exits or not tapping fare boxes on Metro buses, you will get fined. 50 bucks in D.C. and up to $100 in Maryland or Virginia stations. And on a bit of a lighter note, all three of downtown Silver Springs breweries, Astrolab Brewing, Denizens Brewing Company, and Silver Branch Brewing Company have joined forces to launch what they're calling a craft beer passport. If you enjoy three pints at each of their locations and get your card stamped, you'll get a free beer at each brewery. The program runs until February 2023, so you better get to work fast. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. A reminder that Election Day is in exactly one week. And if you live in Maryland or D.C., we've got you covered, too. Check back in tomorrow and Thursday for more election guides. And if you've got friends still figuring out how they're going to vote, tell them to listen in, too. Talk to you tomorrow.